Hello and welcome to the Susquehanna County Conservation District's Conservation Corner. I'm Don Hibbard. And I'm Courtney Bronze. And each week we bring you conservation topics and events from around the Endless Mountains. I think one of the benefits of the whole COVID issue is the fact that many people have found themselves outside more often. That being said, it's possible that through a little observation that some have noticed certain trees in our area struggling to stay healthy. So today we're discussing forest pests, and in particular, ones that you might see in Penn's Woods or in a nearby state. So first, we're going to talk about the hemlock woolly adelgid. It's kind of a mouthful, I guess, but um, have you seen or been around hemlock woolly adelgid at all? I have seen it on some public lands in like the western part of the state. Um, I haven't found it in this area yet. Yeah, as the the name indicates, it's it's uh, primarily has to do with hemlock trees, which is Pennsylvania's state tree. Um, and the hemlock woolly adelgid, it's actually a tiny sap-sucking insect related to the aphids, and it's causing widespread death and decline in the hemlock trees of the eastern United States. Uh, so this species is actually native to Asia and Pacific Northwest, and it was first noted in eastern United States all the way back in 1951 uh, in a park in Richmond, Virginia. So the genotype present in eastern North America actually originated from Japan, and they think it was introduced unintentionally with ornamental Japanese hemlocks. So as we mentioned before, it's aphid-like, it's an insect that covers itself with a white, waxy wool. So when you check underneath the branches on a hemlock tree, you'll see these little cottony tufts. And that's actually the hemlock woolly adelgid. Yeah, so it feeds on the sap at the base of the hemlock needles. So that disrupts the nutrient flow, causing the needles to change from a deep green to a grayish green and then they fall off. And without needles, the tree starves to death. And that usually happens within three to five years of that initial attack. But there are some treatments available. Uh, so there's systemic insecticides. You could actually trench around the tree and apply those at the tree trunk base. Uh, and there's also a non-native predatory insect. Uh, they refer to it as LN. I'm not going to try to pronounce the name. I'd probably butcher it. So we'll just call it LN as they do. So that's actually native to the northern Rocky Mountains and Pacific Northwest. And it feeds on the insect identical to the invasive HWA, which is infesting eastern hemlocks. So hopefully that one's going to work out. Um, populations take a while to actually get up to a point where they can help the hemlock trees. So that one's gonna be beneficial in the long run, hopefully. Do you have any experience with the woolly adelgid here in the county? I do. Um, a couple years back, Woodburn actually was doing some work. They have some old growth forest there. And uh, to keep that healthy, they actually did the insecticide. Uh, so we were doing the trenches around the trees and applying it that way. And it seemed to work. 
Uh, I think other trees they were monitoring within the preserve and uh, it seems like the trees are kind of fighting back as well so that's good news. Uh, some are affected, some aren't. They do have at least some immune response. Well, that's good. Yeah. So are you familiar at all with the gypsy moth? Yeah, the gypsy moth. That one's been around for a while, it seems like. Yes, so they're an invasive insect with a larvae that feeds on the foliage of many plants. They were introduced in 1868 near Boston by a French scientist. And he was trying to use them because native silk spinning caterpillars were susceptible to disease and he wanted to create a resistant hybrid species. So he thought that breeding them with the silk spinning caterpillars would be beneficial, but some of them escaped and they found suitable habitat and began breeding. So they've been causing significant forest damage in Pennsylvania since the 1970s, and the most recent outbreak occurred between 2013 and 2017. They're actually the principal agent of tree mortality on state forest lands since the 1970s. So the first time the trees are attacked, they're usually defoliated completely. And if they refoliate, it's likely that the larvae will come back and attack them again. So fortunately, these moths do have several predators. Um, wasps, flies, ground beetles, some songbirds, chipmunks, squirrels, and raccoons are among the animals that prey on them. There's also several other controls, including bacteria, Fungi, viruses, pesticides, and even mating disruptors can be used to stop them from laying eggs on the trees. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, I haven't seen an outbreak in a while. Um, I think there's at least some trees that they're more adapted to, seems like. But I do remember at least one outbreak around here. I can't say I've ever seen one of the moths. I mean, I'm sure I have, I just probably didn't know what it was at the time. Yeah. So the next one we're looking at is the Asian longhorn beetle. And this one, it's actually not in Pennsylvania yet. Uh, the beetle is native to China, Mongolia, and Korea. And it was first discovered in North America and New York in 1996. Since then, it's been found in Illinois, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Ohio, and Ontario. And mainly in urban settings. So the Asian longhorn beetle, it's like, it ends up being about three quarters to one and a quarter inches long. And you'll notice a jet black glossy body with white spots on each wing. And long black bluish white antennae. So it does stand out quite a bit. So the beetle larvae tunnel through tree stems causing girdling that cuts off the flow of nutrients. And that eventually kills the tree it also results in coarse sawdust at the base of the infected parts of the tree, so you'll notice that. Adult beetles leave round exit holes, and you'll notice those. So a couple of key indicators if you're out observing species of tree in your forest. There's no known practical control for this wood boring, for this wood boring pest other than destroying infested trees, so that's kind of disappointing. I said we, we don't have it in Pennsylvania, but it's definitely close enough that we need to be observing the trees in our forest in Penn's Woods. So the beetle attack and eventually kill many species of trees, 
I actually prefer maple species. So that's your soft red maple and the hard sugar maple here in this area. Uh, the beetle attacks species of trees such as birch, horse chestnut, poplar, and willow trees as well. So the last one we want to talk about, I'm sure everyone's heard of by now, the emerald ash borer. Yeah, this one, I mean, just take a drive to the county and see a graveyard of trees. It's kind of crazy in a stand of ash. They're just all dead. It's a half inch long metallic green beetle originally from Asia. It was first discovered in southeastern Michigan in the summer of 2002, and then it was found in western Pennsylvania in 2007. The larval stage of the beetle feeds exclusively on ash trees under the bark, and it ultimately kills the tree within three to five years of infestation. The borer infects all native North American ash species and ash cultivars, so it's really not good. There's three control options people use. One is tree removal to try and prevent the spread, or there's also chemical and biological controls as well. The most common treatments used are soil injections and trunk injections, and both of these allow for the product to go right into the tree tissue. And once it's in the tissue, it's evenly dispersed through the canopy. Canopy sprays can also be used um, to prevent the adult borers from feeding and laying eggs on the tree. Yeah, it's safe to say if your trees have already died, uh, it's a good idea to get them down quickly to become pretty brittle. Uh, I know in my backyard I lost the top of one, I actually just missed my roof. Uh, but, you know, that's to say that they, they can be lost pretty quickly and they're pretty dangerous. So. Uh, if you do have some in your backyard or on your property, get them down as quick as possible. Especially if they're going to endanger, you know, a structure on your property. So let's talk a little bit about a couple ways that you can help protect Pennsylvania's urban, suburban, and forested areas from insects like the ash borer and other non-native forest pests. So it's a good idea to buy and burn locally cut firewood. Uh, in other words, don't order firewood from some other state i don't know why you would but uh just source it locally uh keep it in your area if you've already bought firewood from another area burn it don't leave it and don't take it with you encourage your friends and neighbors not to move firewood distances greater than 50 miles so those are at least a couple of important facts to remember uh, when it comes to firewood so we're actually back to a point where we can mention some events again, which is pretty cool. So what you got for us today? So Salt Springs State Park is having an event on Sunday, June 28th at 1 p.m. And it's part of their five elements series. So the element that will be discussed next Sunday is fire. And Tammy Noonan's workshop will explore the relationships and interactions and how they might influence you with hands-on experiences as well as reflection and discussion. So dress for the weather. The fee is a free will donation. Meet at the Wheaton House. The Northeast PA Rail Trail Council also has some events starting back up. So they're gonna host walking Mondays at 9 a.m. July 6th, 13th, 20th, and 27th, biking Wednesdays at 6 p.m. July 1st, 8th, 15th, 22nd, and 29th, 
The second Saturday yoga walk for July will be held on July 11th at 9.30 a.m. Forestry forensics will be held July 18th at 10 a.m. And biking adventure to Bucks Falls will be held on July 27th. So if you're interested in any of these events, you can visit their website, which is nepa.railtrails.org, and they'll have all the information posted there. All right. Well, I guess that does it for today's show. If you have any questions related to today's show, you can contact the Conservation District by calling 570-782-2105. If you missed a portion of today's show, you can go to our website, www.susconddistrict.org and find our Conservation Corner page with past episodes, links to information about past episodes, and the contact form where you can reach out, ask those questions you want to ask, or you can make comments about the show. You can even suggest ideas for future shows. You have been listening to the Susquehanna County Conservation District's Conservation Corner, I'm Courtney Bronze. And I'm Don Hibbert saying, enjoy the outdoors. <laughs>